everybody, and welcome back. It is Wednesday, June 9th, 2021, and you're listening to episode 115 of the Can I Say Something podcast. I'm your host and recluse with a juicy caboose, Damien. Joining me today, we have a very special guest. Hey, everybody. I am Derek McDuff. And right into Thanks the for show. having me on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you can write to the show, bicycle at gmail.com, bicycle on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend, fan member, or stranger. So yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for coming on here. Yeah, my pleasure. So how long have you, uh, how long have you been with podcasting in general? Uh, we just celebrated our two-year anniversary of our podcast, Underrated. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't a little bit of podcast stuff before that, um, kind of sporadically, but um, you know, I've actually been really doing it for two years. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so this is basically the same uh, as me. I started in early uh, 2019. Uh, me mm-hmm. and my buddy, uh, two guys, me, Andy and Dion, got together. It was sort of the thing where you know, mainly the main. Uh, priority of the podcast was just to hang out, you know, just have guys come in, hang out. Um, we're all in our mid thirties. So th- th- those two guys have, you know, kids, family, stuff like that. So it was just a thing where I wanted a, a place for us to hang out and uh, just, just chat. And, uh, you know, what, one of them dropped out after a while, but um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun for a while. And I'm still doing it with, uh, with Dion and his wife. So yeah, it's been fun. What was the like impetus for, for you to actually start yours? I mean, Honestly, we're pretty much we're pretty similar um, in that where it was just me and a couple friends, and we all had always just kind of like talked about movies and stuff like that, and we'd go um, see movies in the theater all the time. And then just you know after the film would get out, we'd just be talking for a couple hours afterwards, and we were all kind of big podcast fans, so we're like you know we're always talking about movies and stuff. Maybe we should you know one of these days record what we have to say, but we didn't really have an idea for a show at first. We kind of kicked some stuff around, and then. One day I was just, I was watching um, the movie Stardust, um, the uh, 2007 one, yep. and I was, and you know, we we're just texting and um, one of my buddy, one of the, we were all in this group chat together and one of my co-hosts, Alan, was just like, hey, uh, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just watching Stardust. And we were all just like, oh yeah, it's a super underrated movie. And just kind of like all three of us, me, Alan, and Ariel, um, who now do the podcast together, just kind of were like, oh, that's it. That'll be, that's the podcast. We talk about underrated movies because... We all just love movies and especially ones that are like, hey, maybe people should see this because not a lot of people know about it. Or if people do know about it, you know, it's kind of maybe like a cult one or lost money, the box office or whatever. And we just kind of, you know, we've always just loved that discussion between ourselves. And so we just kind of made that into a podcast. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. It was pretty much the same thing um, here. It, it, the podcast sort of evolved over time. And I think <laughs> it's probably evolved so much from the beginning that it would probably be a good thing to do is to sort of like maybe start over in, in terms of a different name because we recorded um, a, a bunch of episodes early on, like probably five or six episodes early on. And those will never see the light of day. <laughs> they were <laughs> so bad. Um, but, you know, the quality, the sound quality, the discussions, it went on for a long time. Each one was like three hours. So eventually mm-hmm. we did move on to a different model, different format of just like, how about we, you know, write stuff down. Let's write down our topics. Let's write down basic, a basic outline for the show. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's been sort of the the, the template going forward since then. But um, did you have any like difficulty at first of being like, let's, you know, let's try to keep this topic on track. Let's have an outline. Let's not veer off too far from the main topic. Was that a, was that an issue for you at first? I think at first we were almost too structured, um, whereas like we're like, okay, 
we're going to have a structure where like we'll we'll open it up and we'll give a you know we'll describe the whole plot of the movie and then we'll kind of talk about you know some read some reviews that people thought were underrated and stuff like that and we kind of just it didn't let us be ourselves and just kind of like you know talk yeah. more freely um but once but you know once the podcast had been going for like just it totally took a couple episodes to be like okay we should we don't really need to give a recap of the movie you know we yeah. can just kind of like talk about it more free form and you know just kind of cut out a lot of that stuff that we think that was there just kind of almost for padding where it's just like now our podcasts you know usually we don't go over an hour we're just kind of just more conversational kind of like you know you guys are just kind of shooting the shit and uh, I'm not to cuss on this podcast yeah that's sorry fine. yeah no, that's okay fine. okay yeah <laughs> all right um but yeah uh just kind of you know one and also like you said the, the, I think the big thing was that uh our sound was horrible back mm. then because mm. you know um none of us really knew what we were doing uh you know we I I lost the vote at first uh we recorded the first couple episodes outside and I was the one who was doing all the audio editing and that mm. was really rough and you know, now that I can, you know, edit on, we're all doing it over Discord. It's a lot cleaner and nicer. And, you know, there's not, and, and you know, I do separate audio tracks now as opposed to just everybody being mixed into one. So it is, oh, it, it's, come, it's come a long way. When I go back and listen to those early episodes, I, I cringe a little bit. I'm like, yeah. oh man, I love the topic that we're talking about, but it is, it is hard to listen to some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It really is. Um, so when you first started, did you, were you a big fan of podcasts going into it? How long have you been listening to podcasts, um, before you started your own? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a really big podcast fan. Um, I had, I've been listening to podcasts for a few years now, um, because I would just need something to listen to at work when I'd open. Um, I would work at a bookstore and, um, so do all of us. That's where we all met. Um, mm -hmm. And I would listen to, you know, just uh, when I'd be doing, sometimes I do overnights or, you know, when I get there, you know, two hours, just kind of put the books on the shelves before we open and I need something to do. So I'll just, you know, got that's how I got started kind of listening to podcasts and, you know, a lot of movie podcasts I started getting really into and that kind of, you know, led to me being like, well, you know, I think this might be something I know a bit about movies. Maybe I can do something like this. Yeah. Nice. Um, so what were some of the stuff you were listening to um, back then? What, what are some like good movie podcasts that you like? So one that really got me into podcasts just in general was a podcast called The Weekly Planet, which is because I got into that by like watching the same guy. He has a YouTube channel. Um, it's called Mr. Sunday Movies. And through his YouTube channel, I got into his podcast and I still listen to it to this day. It's a really good podcast. And they talk about movies, but also other stuff like TV shows and comic books and stuff. And then through that, I kind of expanded into, you know, other podcasts. Um, one movie podcast that I really, really love a lot is um, it's called uh, Beyond the Screenplay. And it is just kind of a uh, it's conversational again, but it is kind of more on a script writing focus um they kind of just take a look at different screenplays and um that one i would recommend to anybody definitely check out beyond the screenplay anybody out there um show me the meaning uh by wisecrack is another pretty solid one it's not on movies but uh joanna robinson's podcast um yeah. that she does with a couple other people um the storm which used to be a game of thrones podcast um but then i started listening to it when it became a Lost podcast, because I'm a really big fan of Lost, and mm. that's another one I'd highly recommend to anybody. 
Yeah, Joanna Robinson is one of my favorite um, podcasters out there right now. She's, she does the uh, Still Watching podcast for Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching Mayor of Easttown. I've been keep, keeping up with that. And she does uh, a show, weekly show, catching up with that, you know, doing theories about who's the killer and things like that. Then before that, she was doing um, recaps of uh, WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier. And I'm a huge fan of that stuff. So, yeah, Joanna Robinson is one of my favorite uh, podcasters out there. Um, Big Picture is another good one. Um, it's on the Ringer Network. Uh, Sean Fennessy, Matt and Dobbins, mm. really good one. Uh, Film Spotting, uh, it's a Chicago-based one. Um, Adam, Adam Kempinar is a really great uh, uh, critic. Uh, Waypoint Radio is a good one I like to listen to. It's uh, mainly focused on video games, but they do uh, veer off into other topics, um, uh, politics and race and stuff like that. So really, really great one if you're interested in stuff like that. And just in general, you know, the, the, the way that I think people talk about the things they're passionate about. You know, I, I, again, talking about why we started podcasting, I, f- I feel like for me, I had a lot of, you know, discussions with friends that were basically very surface level, very like, you know, I liked the movie because it was good. I didn't like it because it was bad. Here are some scenes I liked. Here are some scenes I didn't like, stuff like that. And listening to people talk about movies and video games in a much deeper, more uh, nuanced way is something that I really, really latched onto and got uh, highly interested in. And I feel like, um, for the most part, uh, me and my co-host Dion do a pretty good job of, of delving into that stuff. But um, did you feel like um, from the beginning that you and your co-host sort of had uh, difficulty sort of um, articulating why you liked what you liked? Um, I don't. You know, I think by that point, we had all been talking with each other about film for so long that I think we actually did a pretty good job of it. And. I don't have a huge background with like film studies or anything like I, um, but I did, I do know a little bit about it um, just because, you know, partially just watching a, just a ton of video essays on it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I also took a little, like, um, like I wasn't a film major, but I took like, um, like a, for example, a uh, film music class in college. So um, I do know some stuff about that. Um, and I, you know, my, uh, one of my best friends and my former roommate, he was a film major and I was, you know, a, uh, in a couple of his student films. So, and then, uh, yeah, they, they're both, my co-hosts are very, very knowledgeable about movie stuff too. So I think that was one advantage we had going in where we didn't really have any growing pains in that aspect. Um, it was more the technical side of running the podcast and just kind of figuring out how, it would work that it was a little tougher for us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things I found just in general talking to my friend and, and his wife is just, you know, like you said, you're, you are pretty knowledgeable, you're, you're very knowledgeable about the movie stuff and the terms and, and, and things like that. What I found talking to, to Dion is just a lot of times I'll bring up something, a, a term or a, a, a filmmaking term like, uh, you know, fridging or the Uncanny Valley or Chickoff's gun, things like that. You're just like, hold on, wait, pause. What was that? What is that thing? <laughs> What's that thing you just said? I've never heard of that before. So yeah, it's a little, I don't know. It's a little bit of a, a growing pain, I guess I would call it, uh, just based mm. on doing the show myself. And I was just curious if you've ever, you know, had that uh, issue on, on your show. I I don't think I've really had it a ton. Um, there might be some like dramatic or, um, you know, like storytelling conventions that maybe I might have to explain a little bit both but you know i would say you know we're all pretty knowledgeable about that stuff yeah uh because you know like i was before i was i did i was an english major so you know i did study a lot of literature and stuff like that and then you know before that i actually studied theater for a little bit 
So I think the more the growing pain might have is less like the storytelling conventions and maybe yeah. like um, how films are kind of like shot, like maybe stuff with cinematography and things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm we might be a little less knowledgeable knowledgeable about than you know just like you know what Chekhov's gun is. I think you know stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So uh, talking about, you know, how, how you talk about movies and stuff, you're interested about movies, um, things I found really interesting about like um, the big picture and the wash and other other things is they really get into the minutia of like the film industry itself. Um, I just read Mark Harris's book about Mike Nichols, the director, um, his biography. And mm-hmm. there I found that stuff really, really interesting. Um, do you get into the are you interested in talking about or, or you know, re, uh, getting into the, the industry industry side of movies like who bought, you know, uh, Amazon? just bought uh, MGM. So is that something you guys uh, like to talk about or not so much? I mean, it's something that definitely interests me. Um, and it has, you know, come up on our show a couple times. Like, I, I can't remember what movie we were talking about, but we were talking, but, you know, we were kind of talking about how it was a Fox movie and it was one of the last movies that was put out while Fox was still Fox before mm. it got swallowed up by Disney. And we were kind of talking about like how, you know, that's maybe going to change things with the way, you know, Fox is distributing movies. It's not going to be able to distribute as much stuff or the kind of things that it puts out might be a little different, you know, with, you know, Disney kind of being, you know, the kind of overlords of, you know, this new studio and how, you know, just the amount of studios are just kind of decreasing um, over just kind of over time. There's the less of the big studios. They're just kind of all swallowing each other up. And, you know, I think one of the big things that we talk about a lot on Underrated is that there is this kind of growing gap where the middle um, budget movie is kind of just disappearing, where a lot of stuff is going the way of like, it's a big budget Disney blockbuster, or it's like an A24 film where it's like got a micro budget horror film. And those kind of mid range, like romantic comedies and stuff that you might see are becoming less and less common because of, you know, just the way the film industry has gone. So stuff like that, we definitely talk about. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely something where, um, yeah, like you said, that the middle range movie is definitely, um, you know, not as popular anymore as watching some stuff on Criterion recently, like, you know, California Split and a um, bunch of these, uh, you know, ten or you know, five million dollar movies. Like you said, it's just not going to be a thing anymore, which is unfortunate. But, you know, hopefully they do get picked up by uh, by smaller studios in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I want to talk a little bit about your uh, all-time favorite movies. Um, I basically <laughs> ask me a different day of the week. I'll give you a different answer. Um, but basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I love uh, No Country for Old Men is one of my favorites. Um, super recently, I have a recently recency bias for Parasite. I've been going back to that movie a couple of times. I just got it on Criterion. The Criterion Blu-ray came out a little while ago, and I picked that up again and watched it. Um, really love that movie. So really any... Uh, the big, big directors of, uh, you know, Spielberg, Coen Brothers, PTA, Wes Anderson, uh, people like that. Uh, so what are your, some of your, your go-to, like if somebody just asked you, what's your, what's your favorite stuff? What is it? Yeah. Well, I mean, talking about, you know, big directors, I got a, I love a lot of Spielberg stuff. Um, Spielberg and Scorsese are probably, you know, some of my favorite directors, um, with good reason. Um, but first, if you, if you give me one that I would probably pick any day of the week, it would be Jurassic Park. Like that movie yeah. is just so good on every single level. Like it's a great action film. You care about the characters. It's a thriller. Um, you know, it's a family film, but you know, it, you still have like moments of just like, 
just like real terror. Like I think I saw it was one of the first movies I think I ever saw when I was a kid, you know, because it came out when I was like three um, because I'm, you know, in my 30s now. And it's still like, you know, holds up just across the board, just everything about that movie. It's it's funny. Um, The performances are great from these actors who are mostly pretty unknown at the time. Um, some other ones that I really, really love. I love uh, a lot, a lot of Miyazaki stuff. My favorite of his is definitely Princess Mononoke. Like that's a movie I can watch endlessly. Like just gorgeous and just the storytelling is so brilliant. And just you know, I'll I'll watch it dubbed or subbed or whatever. Um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is obviously I count that as kind of yeah. one movie. Um, just incredible for a lot of reasons. Is a reason that movie those movies just won all the Academy Awards. Yep. Um, Butch Casting of the Sundance Kid, another, if you were going back a little, you know, that's kind of my, one of my favorite pre-70s movies is Butch Casting of the Sundance Kid, really ahead of its time, or by uh, the same screenwriter, Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, yeah. Uh, oh, and then I should mention, um, you know, this is kind of a unconventional one for somebody, uh, but I, I really love Superbad. Uh, that oh. movie just, <laughs> for me, it came out in the exact right time where I was it came out the summer that I had just graduated high school mm. and I felt like I've seen so many movies about high school kids, but um, none of them really depicted how high school kids talked and just, you know, how every other word, you know, will like you would just say fuck and just, you know, the way that you were just like about like you're just dumb and you want to go to a party and stuff. It's because it was written by Seth Rogen when he was in high school. And it is just a movie that does, I feel like, have like a good moral about like friendship and just you know, caring about like the people who mean the most to you. And I don't know, it's just, it's a really good movie, I think. And I think that some film people will kind of like look down on it because it is very crass and, you know, has a lot of, you know, just, you know, crude jokes in it, but I think it is actually a spectacular movie. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, that genre of like, you know, crass, gross, gross out, um, high school party, uh, that that genre of movies kind of went away for a while. I think the last one, last notable one, uh, was in 2010 with Easy A, you know, with Emma Stone, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's coming back a little bit. They they have uh, Booksmart came out in 2019, I want to say. Um, mm-hmm. It was directed by Olivia Wilde. I think that is uh, definitely a genre that uh, you know they're they're you could say it's the the boys genre, but they're just swapping the the genders. But I think it's a really interesting you know way of looking at. Uh, you know that that genre again of just <laughs> gross kids, yeah. kids being gross and like, okay, let's try it with the girls now. I think that's a really interesting way of going about it. I, d- I did really like Booksmart, and it kind of like solidified a theory that I have had about there's every generation has one movie that like that that I think captures mm-hmm. that generation, um, where it's like, okay, it's the end of the school year, and it's like like two or how a small group of friends, and they're just kind of like going to a party or it's like the last hurrah because, uh, you know, uh, Gen Z had Booksmart. Millennials, mm. we had um, Superbad. Before that was uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, probably. And then mm. you have, uh, um, what's uh, uh, what's the one Harrison Ford's in it? Um, fast Times, not no, Fast Times, um, uh, American Graffiti is like the oh, yeah. one for the boomers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, every generation kind of loves their own one. Like, you know, the boomers put that one on the AFI top 100 list, you know, yeah, but yeah. we have super bad. And <laughs> yeah. now we see the next generation's uh, is Booksmart. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so was there anything before the pandemic you were like, OK, if 
the world just stopped for like a month. I would finally catch up on X. I would watch this movie. I'd watch this TV show, whatever. Was there anything you watched last year that you that you wanted to watch for a long time but finally had the chance to? You know, I caught up on a lot of stuff that I had kind of just fallen off, fallen off of. Yeah. Like one, for example, was I had watched the first couple seasons of, um, oh my gosh, I'm for spacing on the name. It's the Kung Fu, Fu show on AMC, um, Into the Badlands. Oh, okay. um, it, and uh, that was a show that I really enjoyed and I just kind of like fell off of for whatever reason. But I went back and watched the final season for that. And, you know, that was really good. I caught up on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So it was more mm-hmm. like stuff like, oh, man, I. I need to I need to rewatch this, um, but I watched a, lo- a lot of new stuff too. You know, stuff like Queen's Gambit and um, you know, um, uh, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the one where Dakota, uh, not Dakota, um, she's uh, the the Queen of Russia. Oh my gosh, I'm so spacing oh, on stuff right now. Yeah, it was it was the favorite, but it was like a TV version of the favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, the great. I, um, the Great, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched The Great. Um, yep. You know, obviously, like stuff like The Boys and um, The Mandalorian and all that. That were uh, Ted Lasso is another one that Ted I thought Lasso. was really great that came yeah. out during the pandemic. Yep. Uh, yeah. That one is uh, Ted Lasso's season two. I believe is debuting this month. So either this month or next. Is month. it coming out? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know it was coming so quick. I'd heard yeah. a little some rumblings about it, but I didn't realize it was coming right now. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I actually last year I uh, did a thing which I intended to do for a long time, which is watch one movie a day at least. So I watched 365 movies last year. Made a whole list of them. Oh wow. Yeah. Um. So. Just real quick, I don't, uh, I'm just going to mention a couple of them. The number one movie from last year was Never Really, Sometimes Always for me. Um, it was, I don't know if you've seen it. I, I need to see it. I've yeah. heard just only good things about it, but I never got around to it. Yeah, yeah. Really, really uh, great movie. Just the thing, the movies that really impacted me last year were stuff where it was either an actor, actress or an actor who wasn't, you know, quote unquote professional actor. They're, they were either did one thing or really nothing before this first role and it really blew me away. Uh, I was struck by Eliza Hittman, uh, Cindy Flanagan, Talia Ryder played two girls looking for trying to, uh, you know, get an abortion in New York City um, during. Actually, it's a it's a contemporary movie, so very very interesting. Um, I really like the Nest from last year. Um, it was the, directed by Sean Durkin with Jude Law and Carrie Coon. Uh, I'm not sure if you checked out that one yet. That was one that was on my list, and mm. I was gonna watch it, and then it was like it never came down from like twenty dollars um, because yeah. I'm a really big Carrie Coon fan because I love the leftovers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Jude Law is obviously great too, um, but I just never wanted to shell out the twenty bucks or whatever to watch it. Yeah. Um, I yeah I bought a bunch of stuff last year for twenty bucks way too much <laughs> I would say <laughs> um, Soul I had uh, number four I really really loved that movie I thought that was deeply deeply moving about you know just finding your passion in life finding your way in the world finding your um, finding the reason you know for what you do in the world and and so f- finding out that maybe it's just you know living living is just enough so that was very very yeah. impactful yeah I did, I did I did see Soul and I, I really loved that movie. Yeah. Um, did you catch any of the um, the Lovers Rock, Mangrove, the uh, the small axe film that uh, was put out by Steve McQueen last year? Yeah, I saw the first two. I saw mm. um, Lovers Rock and Mangrove, which I both I and I didn't get a chance to see any of the rest of them, but I yeah. did really enjoy both of those. And on my like, I did a top five list, and yeah. I had um, Lovers Rock as I, my number four pick mm. um, for last year. That was yeah, just an incredible, just kind of slice of life movie i thought 
Yeah, your your top five and my top five uh, overlapped a lot. Uh, you had uh, I'm Think of Any Things. That was my, mm-hmm. let's see, number 13, one of last year. Palm Springs was my number 12. Um, and just, you know, going down the last uh, two, our uh, number nine, I had Sound of Metal and uh, Monterey's Black Bottom was number 10. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of really good shit last year. Um, as far as like catching up for for old stuff, I did I did watch all the Miyazaki films. Um, like you said, Miyazaki's incredible director. Um you said, I think you said uh, Princess Mononoke was your favorite. Those uh, Mononoke and Spirited Away, I felt like were really, really well done. Um, I feel like the smaller ones, uh, you know, impacted me more emotionally. Um, I don't know if you've seen Whisper of the Heart. I have not seen Whisper of the Heart because I think he, he just produced that one, but he didn't direct it. If right. I'm, if I'm right. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah. So that one, and there's a bunch of smaller ones, like only yesterday and, um, from up, from up on Poppy Hill, there were a bunch that I finally discovered and like, wow, these are really, really great, um, little movies that he made. I think believe in the early nineties or late eighties, really, really great movies. Um, and I kept, I caught up with stop making sense. The, uh, the talking heads documentary was, uh, Ooh, I need to see that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really good. There was a bunch last year that I that I finally saw. One cut of the dead is one that I think you and uh, anybody listening would really really enjoy. It's a. Uh, have you seen this? No, I haven't. It's it's a really one of the most original movies I've seen in a very long time. So it's basically um, a, f- a film crew goes to do to direct a zombie film, and the the first half of the film is what they shot. And it looks terrible, and it's just like people are falling over each other. They're forgetting their lines. They're like, "What is this? What is going on?" And then the second half is the reveal, and the reveal is incredible. I've never seen anything like it. One of the most unique, uh, inventive things I've seen in a really long time. So, yeah, I definitely highly recommend checking that out. Um, okay. And then I watched. The, yeah, I'll have to give it a watch. Yeah, and Charlie Chaplin, and just finally rounded out <laughs> the, the best stuff I saw last year. Uh, City Lights. I, I watched all of his, but City Lights was the one that really blew me away. Basically, he he helps a blind woman. He 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 um, gets enough money for her to have an eye operation to fix her sight, and uh, she sees him at the end. Well, she yeah, she sees him at the end. Doesn't know it's him because she never saw him before. And she he's like you know his the, the tramp the the dirty tramp is like his his character that he invented um, and was mm-hmm. throughout other other movies. And she finally sees him. And it's like, oh, get away from me, you dirty hobo. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> the look on his face when she says that is just devastating. So, yeah, I'd highly recommend uh, City Lights if nobody's ever seen uh, any Charlie Chaplin films. Actually, um, yeah, because I had been wa- trying to watch a lot of the classics during like the very first stage of the shutdown um, yeah. when I wasn't working at all. And um, that was one of the ones I actually watched was City Lights. I had never yeah. really seen um, any Chaplin stuff before. So, I watched... I watched a couple of those things. I watched that one, and then I watched um, another one that I really loved of his was The Gold Rush. But yeah, yeah, I watched a lot of stuff. So I really, really enjoyed that one too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like just talking about old movies and classics? Do you feel like there are are some that are just they feel like homework? You, you, I'm watching a lot of stuff on Criterion, <laughs> and I'm catching up with a lot of the you know the old old classics, and it's just like, oh man, I should <laughs> maybe 30 years ago if I saw this, or maybe if I didn't have a phone two feet away from me, maybe I'd be able to get into this. Maybe if I saw it in the theater, you know, without the without so many detractions, I would get into it more. But do you, do you feel like going back to a lot of these classics, it's it's hard to sort of watch them and appreciate them? as they were oh, uh, 50 years ago. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Like I, there's some, uh, you were, you know, you hit the nail on the head where you're like, this, this feels like homework, you know, like one that I, you know, like I, 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 when I watched, um, 
Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mm. And I'm sorry, because I'm not sure if somebody out there that's their favorite film, but <laughs> I just, I could not. I was just like, this is the most saccharine, just yeah. like, you know, I'm not a huge Fran- Franz Kafka. Uh, Frank Frank Capra uh, mm. kind of guy. Like I really, you know, I'm not a huge guy of his, but I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna try to knock all these movies off the list. Uh, yeah. You know, for classics that I should see, and I watched it, and it just I I could barely keep my eyes open. And yeah. but then it, but then there's some that you're like, okay, you're gonna go, you go into, and you're like, is this gonna be good? Like a lot of the stuff that I've watched from like Billy Wilder. I'm like, holy shit! How was this made in like the 50s or the 40s or whatever? Like this is incredible. Like. Yeah. Uh, I just watched for the first time during that same time period. I watched Brief Encounter mm. because that's kind of like one of my favorite subgenre of movies. Um, is the kind of like Brief Encounter movie where it's like the two people they get together for just a second and they can't be together at the end. They, you know, have that tearful goodbye. I love. I'm a sucker for movies like yeah. that. You know, um, and Brief Encounter just wrecked me. And I was like, how is this the same guy who made Lawrence of Arabia? Which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lawrence Arabia is a good movie, but it does at times feel a little bit like homework because it's so long, mm. you know. Um, but then Brief Encounter is like 86 minutes. It's in black and white. It's in like one location. And it just is his best movie, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I've caught up with a bunch of older movies. I watched a bunch of uh, John Cassavetes films recently. The Killing of Chinese Bookie was one I saw a few days ago. And just, I don't know, Cassavetes is one of these guys. I watched, I watched another one. I forget what it was, but it just has these very long shots like i i'm a, I'm a sucker for for a long shot but a, you have to be doing something in the shot to <laughs> keep my attention but it's yeah. just these long yeah. shots of people just existing and that's fine i get what you're going for but man that's that's it's rough watching some of that stuff um, yeah i checked out one, some one that was yeah. really rough <laughs> i wanted just before we moved too yeah. far off is that i watched last year was um gone with the wind oh, i'd never boy. seen gone with the wind before well four hours and right? Oh my god! It was like my whole my, it was my whole day. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I was like, I rented it from the library, and I was like, all right, cool, cool. And I I watched the first half, and I was like, all right, that was that was interesting, you know. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's a whole nother disc, you know what? Oh, man. And then I I was like, man, I was like, and I'm like, I get I get why like it's a cinematic classic and stuff, but it yeah. is boring and racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I um I checked out uh, what was it Seven Samurai, uh, Chris Howard mm-hmm. film, and it's it was very I I actually enjoyed it a lot. Again, three hours. I don't know what what the deal is. All these you know classics have to be three hours, but it actually moved. I felt like it moved. I felt like it had a lot of the modern sensibilities as far as the tone and the pacing of it. So I I mm-hmm. actually really liked uh, Seven Samurai. I'm not sure if you've seen it. No, it's it's on my like HBO Max queue. Like a yeah. bunch of um Kurosawa stuff is like that, and like the Hidden Fortress and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're on and uh you know throne of blood like they're just sitting there on my hbo max queue yeah one of these days i'm just gonna have to get to it but no i haven't got around to it yet i um it's interesting hbo max is is fascinating because it has so much on there i feel like it's one of the best uh streaming services out there in terms of you know contemporary stuff brand new stuff obviously you know stuff is coming out there and in theaters at the same time but um yeah i was just browsing through the hbo max sort of like you know tcm classics uh, uh list and a lot a lot of overlap between that and the criterion channel so i might uh i might back out on the criterion channel and just go with hbo max for now so yeah because i like you know that's what i've noticed it, it just has like hbo max it's kind of flown on the radar because i think it's you know like the app isn't that well designed, but no. like it has so much stuff. It's really like old Netflix, you know, um, when Netflix yeah. was the only game in town. Like that's how HBO Max feels because it's like, you know, you do have all like, you know, that's why I, I don't have the Criterion channels because I'm like pretty much anything I'd want to watch from that is on 
HBO Max, and it also has, like, all the Miyazaki movies, and it has, like, Cartoon Network, and it has, like, Warner Brothers superhero stuff, and it, yeah. you know, and the, the list goes on and on, and it's got so much stuff. Like, if I just had to have one streaming service, it would be HBO Max. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I actually only have a couple more questions. Um, so you, you do the show um, Underrated. Um, one mm-hmm. of my favorite uh, underrated movies of all time. I just I just uh, thought of this the other day. It was Darkness Falls. It's from nineteen or two thousand three, I believe. Have you seen this movie? I have not. I okay. Remind me what's about because that does ring a bell, but I haven't seen it. Synopsis is a vengeful spirit has taken the form of the Tooth Fairy to extract vengeance on the town that lynched her one hundred and fifty years earlier. Her only op- opposition is the only child. Her only opposition is a child now grown up who survived her before. So it is this very. Um, it came out 2003 around the same time as the ring. I think I think it got you know forgotten about because of the ring came out at the at, at around the same time. Um, very one of the most terrifying opening scenes in a horror movie. So the kid is you know in bed. He hears something in the hall. That's that sort of thing. You know he hears something in the hall. Gets out of bed, looks at it, goes back into bed. The camera is from his point of view, right? So the, the, he slowly pulls down the sheet and you see the thing just screaming in his face. He runs down the hall into the bathroom, turns on the light so the thing can only survive in darkness. So he runs into the bathroom, turns on the light and sits there to, for the rest of the night. And the camera pulls back into the hallway and you see just the the only thing lit up is the outline of the door of the bathroom. And this thing, this like uh, ring wraith is basically screaming down at him, screaming, trying to get in. It was the one of the most terrifying things i've seen uh as a kid back then so yeah okay yeah i'll have to check it out i'm like i'll have to mention it and ask if my co-host alan because he's like a really our our horror guy yeah has seen it because a lot of the horror movies that we've talked about on the uh underrated have been his picks so i didn't really start to get into horror until a couple years back i Mm kind of i kind of you know up until college i guess i kind of just thought of all horror movies as slasher movies and then i just kind of realized like oh no there's there's a lot more so I did kind of probably miss out on a lot of, a lot of stuff um, before that. I'll have to definitely check that one out. Yeah, it has a nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and that's just that's criminal. That's not <laughs> that's not okay. Um, so yeah, just um, talk about horror movies for a second. They, uh, do you feel like uh, we're in like a golden age or like a a, a good age for horror movies with with the A twenty four coming out with you know what I think a lot of people call of like you know RC horror movies or like uh, psychological horror movies? Do do you like the do you like the um, the era of horror movies that we're in right now? Oh yeah, like this is this is great because my favorite kind of horror movies are like the kind of psychological horror, the mm. stuff where it's a lot of times it's it's not something I don't like the jump scare horror movies. I think those are just boring and uninteresting and unless you're somebody who gets very easily scared by something jumping out at you, they're not interesting, which I'm not really frightened by that. Um what really get, I really would rather be like more disturbed by a horror movie just be like have my skin like tingling like oh there's something right there and you can see it and what are we going to do about it? Then something that just kind of jumps out and frightens you. And that's why I think a lot of these movies, stuff like Midsummer, mm, have, yeah. you know, affected me so much is because I think that they are really just frightening or something like The Invisible Man, which came out you know last year, which did, did you get a chance to see that? Yeah, I loved it. it was my, I think it was my number six movie of the year. Yeah, really great. Okay, nice, nice. Um, but yeah, that one, it it's so good because it's you can't even there's not even a bad guy there. It's just nothingness is scaring yeah. you and and I, I really love all those movies and a lot of you know the best horror movies are 
movies that are kind of about something more like Midsummer is about a breakup, you know, like Invisible Man is about domestic abuse, uh, you know, Aliens is, you know, about like, you know, whatever. It's just all I love that kind of stuff in horror movies and how, yeah, this is kind of a, like you said, a golden age. It's kind of the opposite of like the early 2000s when mm-hmm. I was, you know, growing up and getting yeah. old enough to watch horror movies and everything was just like about jump scares. And that's what I think turned me off the genre for so long. And I, I really can't stand movies like you know, paranormal activity where it's just like all about mm-hmm. like, oh, here we'll build up, build up. And then a sheet moves and somebody jumps at you, you know, or like, you know, like, oh, like here's a killer with a mask and he's going to get you. <laughs> like, I like the much more psychological, disturbing kind of horror. Yeah. Hereditary did a thing where I've been hoping I've been praying for a horror movie to do or even really any movie in general, because I feel like a lot of movies um, sort of treat the audience kind of dumb. They they they. <laughs> so there was the scene in Hereditary where. The guy, the the main kid, or the kid at the end, right? He's he gets up. He has the you know broken nose or whatever. Gets out of bed, and you see his mother. You see um, who's the actress in that? Uh, I forget what her name was, but she's oh in. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I forget her name. Yeah. But she's in, in the top corner of the room. And normally, what would happen, right, would be the camera, or or they would they would play some sort of unnatural light to highlight the fact that she's in the corner of the room, but they didn't do that at all. They didn't even like move the camera to her. They didn't even put her in focus. They didn't put her in frame at all. And so the filmmaker relies on the audience to be smart enough to actually see her in the corner. So I thought that was a really, really smart way of uh, depicting horror in that movie. Yeah, no, that was great. I love hereditary. And one of the movies that I remember like in high school being like, this is way more frightening than, anything I've seen in a long time was signs. And that's not like objectively, like that's not a horror movie or anything, but it has those moments. Like, you know, when you just see like out, like Mel Gibson is looking out in the the corn stalks or whatever, and you just see like a foot and you're like, did you see that foot over there? Like, it's not like, you know, it's just like, like you got, and you just glued to the TV or where when, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is just like looking at that TV and it's just like a goofy looking alien in broad daylight, but that's so much scarier (laughs) than if it was like, you know, a monster just jumping out at you with teeth and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, I think we're coming to the end here. Um, is there anything else you want to uh, talk about before we uh, get to the end? Um, I mean, yeah, nothing nothing comes to mind off the top of my head. Um, okay. Other than I guess I will say that, yeah, I think you and I definitely, because I was listening to listening to at least the second half of your, your top picks of um, last year. And I think we had a lot of, uh, like you're saying, a lot of overlap where we did yeah. have a lot of movies that we both enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love talking about movies. I love doing the list that the the top, you know, top ten movies or whatever of the year. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things to talk about all year. Just to put everything in order. Talk about, you know, look back on the, the year in movies. Uh, one of my favorite uh, things to do all year. So yeah, I was, I was actually really proud of how it turned out. I loved the, I loved um, putting it together, even though it's a lot of work to put all the clips in there. Um, yeah, I really liked how it turned out. Um, yeah, that was a good touch. I, I, I love ranking movies and stuff like that, too. Yeah. Like, I actually have a I um, work freelance for Watch Mojo, And so I got oh, to nice. <laughs> exercise my um, my love of ranking things and my love of movies with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, get, I have to um, have to really try to get into what what is that um, film? Like, it's, it's a social media site for, for movies. What's the um, oh uh, Letterboxd? Letterboxd. Yeah. I, I have yeah. all my movies that I've watched pretty much ever um, on a list somewhere. But I feel like, you know, OK, I wrote them down. They're they're written down there somewhere i I, it's going to take me a while to get in there to actually you know put them into my letterboxd account and stuff like that so yeah 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 i i I really love letterboxd it's it's pretty fun yeah yeah um so yeah just uh what is your stuff where can people find you on the internet 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, um, like I was saying before, my podcast is underrated, and you can find that on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube, um, anywhere you get podcasts, Google, whatever. Um, and then uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Undercast Company. That's kind of what me and my friends call ourselves when we make podcasts. Or if you want to just follow me, I'm Derek's Photos. Uh, so D E R I C K S underscore photos on Instagram. Um, yeah, um, or, you know, if you were watching Watch Mojo, um, you know, that YouTube channel, you might have seen some of my work already. Nice. Awesome. So, uh, thank you so much for doing this. It was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was a blast. <laughs> All right. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye.